April 28, 2019. Finance offense goes comatose as the team slumps to three games under 500. Is the problem talent, approach, or all of the above? But with the Nats struggling, the rest of the NL East looks just as bad. From Ann Arbor, Michigan, it's Jacob Rash. From Bethesda, Maryland, it's Johnny Rash. This is the Rashcast with Jake and John. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Rashcast. The week is April 28th, uh, or the day, I guess. Uh, the Nats have had a rough one. It's been Yes, bad. they have. It's been a rough week. Um, in a week, you'd expect them to be better. We played the Rockies and the Padres, two teams that aren't too good. No. Oh, and I just realized we didn't introduce ourselves this week. I'm Jacob. I'm Johnny. There we go. Now that we've gotten that out of the way. Yeah, they've played two bad teams and they've looked worse. Uh, yes. And it's been deeply troubling. I mean, they've gone five and nine against the Pirates, the Giants, the Marlins, Rockies, and Padres. Obviously, they've still got a game today. We're recording before the game. But uh, this is a chance after they went six and five against the Phillies and Mets for them to separate themselves in this division. Uh, and they have done the opposite. They've fallen back. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, they've got a much rougher part of their schedule coming up right now with the Cardinals coming into town, the Phillies the, the day after that, uh, and no off days for a span of about 17 games uh, after so many in the first couple weeks. Uh, so they had a chance to really – put some distance between them and the rest of the teams in the NL East, and they have really blown it. Yeah, and it's been a lot of things. I mean, the bullpen for one, uh, we could talk for days about that. In fact, we have talked forever about that. Uh, that has not helped anyone. Bullpen management has also been bad, and we've talked about that before. Uh, but recently this week, um, really the offense has been non-existent. Uh, you know, like the last two games, yesterday we got managed to scrape together three hits off Eric Lauer, who's not exactly a world beater. Um, two hits off of Lauer. Two hits off of Lauer, you know, th- three hits in nine innings. It w- it wasn't exactly a, you know, a great performance. And then the day before that, we managed to scrape together three runs on two homers. Um, you know, not much offense there either. So, and even in Colorado, it was the offense wasn't great um but it's it's been it's been worrisome um you know with this team so far a lot of these issues you know some of these issues you could have pointed to before the season you know the bullpen was one of them you know obviously not this bad you know this is statistically could be the worst month ever for a bullpen um era wise well Uh, so uh probably not they're at 734 right now uh they need to be a run worse to be the worst bullpen uh, in April, but it's I think they are fifth worst in the last uh, the in the wild card era in terms of April bullpen ERA. It's not good, not uh, great. Um, so that was an issue coming into the season. Of course, not that we weren't expecting it to be that bad, but then there's been other issues too. Juan Soto uh, 
early season struggles. Um, you know, the lineup in general hasn't been producing that much outside of a few people. And now Anthony Rendon, you know, missing six games in set uh, in seven days. He could be put on the DL today. We don't know yet. Uh, recording this before the corresponding move has been made for Eric Fetty, who is in the locker room. Um, but all signs point to that he's not in the lineup today. Uh, so there's some really troubling signs for this team. Yeah, uh, and you know, the, as hard as it is to sort of do this podcast on a weekly basis without repeating ourselves, I mean, it, it, the truth is here that all of the problems that the Nats have had have essentially gotten worse over the last week. Uh, the offense without Rendon has struggled. Uh, the relief pitching has been terrible. Uh, the bullpen management has been questionable. There was a moment uh, last game on Saturday when Davey Martinez decided to make a pitching change, his third pitching change of the inning in the 10th inning when the Nats were already down 6-2 to two, to play matchups with Matt Grace against Eric Hosmer. And I feel like there's no more emblematic situation of the bullpen management this season than him going to get Grace down four in the 10th inning, burning him for no apparent reason, and then Grace still coming in and not being able to get the guy out. He walks yeah. Hosmer. Uh, it's just, I mean, again, we, we're trying not to repeat ourselves here. Uh, we're trying not to just make this another, you know, a podcast that is a weekly ripping on Davey Martinez session. But, you know, in order for us to have something new to say, something different has to happen. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is going to be a little bit repetitive. But yeah. one thing that was and, different uh, as we sort of try and transition away from that, uh, one thing that did happen this week that hadn't happened before was the call-up of Carter Keboom. Yes. And uh, in his first game, he you know hit that big eighth-inning home run. Couldn't come through the ninth, unfortunately, you know, against a tough pitcher. But I, I was very surprised by this move. I mentioned it to Jacob in passing about a week ago when Rendon first got hurt that this is something the Nats could do. Obviously, Keyboom was tearing it up in AAA before his call-up. But, you know, watching him in spring training, his glove really wasn't there. He he, And I, I don't love his glove still. He, I don't think he's a shortstop in the future, nor do we really need one with Turner. And he'll, he'll probably slide over to second base sometime in the near future when Turner comes back if we keep him up. But I didn't think we'd call him up yet. I didn't think he was ready yet. You know, I didn't think this isn't really a, uh, a service time manipulation type thing because coming out of spring training, he really wasn't ready, especially defensively. Well, I don't know if it is or isn't a secure uh, a service time thing. I mean, the problem is, as soon as Turner went down, Keyboom, for all his defensive flaws, was probably the best shortstop the Nats had in the organization. Uh, you could make the argument, and obviously. Mike Rizzo has, that the reason they kept him down was to work on his defense, but they kept him down for three weeks and then brought him up. So how much defensive practice could he have gotten? Yeah. I mean, obviously, he forced the Nats' hand because he hit 380 at AAA. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, I believe it's more on the that aspect that he's kind of forced our hand. We saw our offense, you know, the team – wasn't performing up to par where we hoped it to be and thinking that maybe Keyboom could be a spark plug to ignite our team to perform better. Um, I, I, I don't 
I mean, I when we were in spring training when we saw him, you know, he made two errors. I, I don't love how he plays defense. I I still don't. He does the whole Ole charging with his glove out by his side, which is what Turner and Defoe both do too, and I really don't like that kind of defense. But Keeboom is more, you know, pronated. It's it's very out there. And I think that's could cause a lot of trouble for him. Again, I, I he will move to second base. He's not our shortstop. He's our, our second base of the future. I'm listen, I'm not gonna make, you know, judgments about his defense based on one or two games that I've seen him play. Uh, I know what the evaluators have said, and they're not particularly high on his defense. Uh, Rizzo said on Friday when they brought him up that his offense was miles ahead of his defense. Uh, You know, the question here is why they made this move now uh, when, at least as as far as Friday was concerned, it didn't appear that Rendon was going to be on the IL. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's sort of a, a big question as to why they felt, you know, Defoe is playing like Defoe. Defoe has a, a 75 career OPS plus. He's 76 on this season. They knew what they had with him, and he's been playing like himself, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, the question is why they felt compelled to make this move now. Uh, you know, I think it's a combination of Kibun forcing their hand with his hot start and just the general need for offense. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they're carrying a, around a lot of sort of dead spots in their lineup right now with Dozier uh, and Zimmerman, uh, they can't really afford to have Defoe in the lineup. Uh, yeah. So I, I just think, you know, and obviously as the week has shown, offense is a problem. Yeah. Uh it's it's not just the offense. It's not just that they're not hitting. It, there's this lack of urgency in the offense, especially I've noticed this week, um, and I think a lot of that can be pointed to. You know, the number of times the Nats have struck out looking. Uh, I I'm back in DC for the week, and so I I went to the last two games, and so I got to actually watch the team in, in in person. And from watching them in person, I've noticed you know they're striking out looking a lot. You know, this is just the eye test. So I looked it up. And they have been, actually. Um, they're second in the NL in strikeout looking percentage, 29% right now. Um, and there are four guys on the team who have really been the the problem with the team. Um, it's Victor Robles, Juan Soto, Brian Dozier, and Anthony Rendon, all striking out looking way above the percentage of the league average, which is 23%. Um, so there's a lot of issues there uh, with the with the offense. Um. Uh, with the number of uh, the amount that we've been striking out looking, it, it hasn't been. There's something missing. There's something. There's no urgency. There's no, you know, kind of like fight in the team. It really seems anymore. And I think I, a lot of that comes with our approach. Our approach. I at, I would be hesitant to sort of put broad generalizations on what strikeout looking percentage means. Uh. Yeah, I think you can look at the numbers and see that it's not really correlated to any degree of success offensively. Uh, but I will say this, and this is the thing that bugs me, the Nats seem to have been doing a lot of complaining about strike zone. Uh, and it sort of is borne out by those numbers. 
But at the end of the day, the pitch is a strike if the umpire calls it a strike, and you have to yeah. adjust. Yeah. Uh, and the Nats have seemed sort of unwilling to adjust. You know, they're a veteran team. Uh, they've, I mean, we've only seen the one ejection from Martinez, uh, which was about a strike zone issue. But uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know what it means, except that the Nats seem to sort of have this mentality that things should go their way. I mean, again, I don't want to have this devolve into sort of psychoanalytical speculation here, but it's just, it makes for a very frustrating team to watch. I'll say yes. that. Yes. Especially when you're striking out looking with the runners on, um, that becomes very annoying. But I, th- I think it really comes back down to the little things. And this is one that Davey Martinez harped on in spring training. And this is one of the little things that, you know, you hope that the team kind of puts together and they just really, really haven't. No, no, they haven't. I mean, it's just, they are frustrating in all aspects to watch right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously losing will do that all the time, but, but it's just team, the way that they're losing too. Right. It really is. They're losing, you know, they're, they're keeping it close because our starting pitching has still been good this year. I mean, Scherzer's numbers are a little inflated, but his FIP is way below his ERA, so his numbers are, you know, not generally. I think he's gotten some bad luck this year. Strasburg's been good outside of a couple, um, one or two starts. Um, Corbin's been great, but you know, outside, so our starting pitching has been able to keep our team in it for an, a long enough time, where if a few things broke right for us, we could break ahead of the and win some more games. But you know, our offense hasn't been hitting in clutch situations. Are hitting at all really, and our bullpen has been our bullpen, so it's uh, it's frustrating. This is the most frustrating way to lose, in my opinion, is to yeah. lose these close games where you know one thing breaks right and we we push ahead. I I completely agree. I mean, they're they're just you know they feel like they're in every single game, and then they somehow manage to lose them. You know, constantly snatching defeat from the jaws of victory it's just it's impossible to watch and you know we were trying to we were doing our little we'll call it a production meeting before this uh we record this podcast and we were just trying to figure out things to say about this team that aren't just incoherent yelling uh and it's hard it's hard uh, the the nats you know they've got a positive run differential on the season i mean plus one but they're, you know, still positive. It's it's a positive run differential on the season, and they're. I mean, I don't know that I would dispute the eleven and fourteen record as something they haven't earned. It's just that they're, you know, the way they're playing is very much sort of, uh, you know, to the same extent that a team with a good bullpen can outperform its Pythagorean uh, run differential. Uh, A team that loses in the way the Nats lose, where they keep things close, blow it late, uh, is is the sort of classic example of a team that will underperform its run differential. So, yeah, it's just incredibly frustrating. Yes, it's very frustrating. Well, the good news is, for how bad as the Nats have been performing... 
The rest of the NL East has also been performing pretty poorly, so we're still in it. We're only three games back of the Phillies, believe it or not. They're 15 and 12. We're 11 and 14. So, you know, it's a, it's not, we're not dead yet, which is the good thing. We're not, we're far from dead yet. We have a three game series coming up with Philly next weekend to where we could catch up some ground. But let's, let's look at the rest of the NL East and, you know, kind of examine what's been going on there because, you know, we've seen the match, we've seen the Phillies, but we really haven't seen the Braves yet. Um, I haven't really watched much of the Braves. So let's start with the first place team, the Phillies. What's, what do you think has gone wrong for them so far, really, this year? Oh, I don't, I don't know that anything's really gone especially wrong or sort of not according to plan for them. They've had a lot of injuries. Uh, David mm-hmm. Robertson, uh, Odubel Herrera is, is out for now. Victor Arana, who is off to a really hot start out of the bullpen, is out. Scott Kingery, who is out to a really hot start, is out right now. Uh, Se- Segura the- missed a lot of time. Segura missed some time, uh, but he's now back. Uh, but, I mean, it's just sort of they've had a lot of injuries on the relief side of the uh, pitching coin. I don't know. I had no idea where I was going with that. But, uh, yeah, they've had a lot of relief injuries, uh, which has sort of, you know, I don't know that you expected that their bullpen would be locked down, but we thought it would be really deep. Uh, and to an extent, it has been. But the guys you expected to perform, the Sir Anthony Dominguez is, who hasn't been hurt, he's just been not as good as expected. Uh, obviously, David Robertson. You know, it's, it's curious. That, but they've had some guys step up, you know, nearest has looked like his pre-2018 self. Pat Neshek's looked good. Uh, Adam Morgan's been perfect on the season, which, yeah, I mean, ever since he moved to the bullpen and picked up a couple miles an hour more on his fastball, he's been a weapon. Uh, yep. Starting pitching-wise, obviously the big thing you highlight that's gone wrong is Aaron Nola. Yeah. Uh, Nola has been... Really troublingly bad, uh, 568 ERA, 541 FIP, uh, walking a lot of guys, uh, which is not what you expect out of your control righty. He's got a history of elbow issues. Uh, he missed uh, some time a couple of years ago with an elbow issue, uh, but his fastball velocity looks okay. It just seems like he's struggling. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I mean, they've gotten some really surprisingly good performances out of Vince Velasquez and maybe Jared Eikhoff. Uh, It's only been three starts for Eikhoff, but he's looked very good in those three starts. Uh, And then they had to send down Nick Pavetta, who's really struggled, uh, especially against the Nats. He's been very bad against the Nats in his career. Yeah. Uh, But offensively, uh, everything seems to be going pretty well for them. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, their offense, you know, was expected to be very good. You know, outside Harper has been, you know, not great since the first week. In his last twenty games, he's hitting a pedestrian two oh three with a seven twenty nine OPS, and that's including a five for seven game. But he'll come around, you know, he's still Bryce Harper, unfortunately. Um so their offense is still good. But speaking of poor starting pitching especially, let's talk about the Mets. And that wasn't really a thing you you thought you'd see coming into the season. Uh, they have a 
they, you know, from their top of the rotation, you expected them to have one of the best rotations in baseball. And it's it's been bad. They've had one of the worst rotation ERAs. Uh, they're sitting at 5-3-2 ERA in the rotation. Their bullpen has also been terrible outside of Edwin Diaz. Um, yep. Guys like Jacob deGrom, who you expected to be good, who was good in the beginning, then suffered a few, you know, was put on the IL and has not been good, has, is up to 4-8-5 ERA right now. Um, Noah Syndergaard, after last night, is up to 6-3-5. Zach Wheeler's ERA is in the fours. Um, and then they have no fifth starter to be seen. Jason Vargas is awful. Um, and that's a really troubling sign for me about the Mets. I mean, the Mets, I think their record's way outperforming who they are right now. Um, their run differentials in the negative 20s. So I think they're going to – they're a team – that I think is going to fall back a bit. I, I do think that DeGrom will figure it out, although I am worried about him with injuries. You know, he was a guy who had injury problems um, in the minors. He uh, He's a guy who, you know, he's your ace of the staff. I just gave him all this money. You hope he, he could stay healthy. I'm not sure. I, I, I think he'll be good. I think he'll figure it out. I think his ERA will come down because he's still a great pitcher. But I'm a little worried about his injuries Cindergard with a six three five ERA, I'm not sure what with him. I'm not sure what's happening what's going with him. On with that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's weird. I mean, the guy's still striking out ten for nine. The fastball's still ninety seven miles an hour. Yeah, I don't know. He's, I mean, he's just, just getting he's getting hit yeah, a lot this year, though. He is. I mean, yeah. a guy who throws that hard should not be giving up eleven hits per nine. It's weird. Yeah, uh, he's not. It's, really it's not walks. It's not control issues. Yeah, it's just I guess people are just leaving in the middle of the zone. Yeah, uh, I mean, if if you, it doesn't really matter how hard you throw. I guess if if you're not locating well, which is yeah. sort of a a larger problem I have with how we talk about pitching. We sort of focus on stuff and you know because it's easy to see and don't really talk about command, which is harder to see. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with Syndergaard. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm. Watched, vi- I watched his start yesterday. He left some pitches in the middle of the zone, but even he left a fastball up to Ben Gamble, but it wasn't a bad pitch, and Gamble still managed to hit an opposite field home run. That's Ben Gamble. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know what to say about that except that you know the combination of the the juiced ball and uh, I guess. Maybe the fact that he throws so hard, if you connect with it, it goes far. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, the Mets, obviously, Peter Alonso has been absolutely fantastic. He has. Uh, I mean, looking like an MVP candidate, not just a rookie of the year candidate. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I expected their bullpen to be fantastic. I expected their starting rotation to be, when healthy, very good. Yeah, uh, especially their front four, but neither of those things have been true in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I think that this is their true talent level? Absolutely not. But no. it's it's just but curious. There, but there are definitely some troubling signs with the team so far, and it's and funny. What I was just going to say that's the problem with the Nats right now. I mean, other teams are uncharacteristically struggling in ways you wouldn't expect, but the Nats, with the soft part of their schedule, didn't take advantage. No. So it's frustrating. So yeah. So then we can talk about the Braves a little bit too. Um, now I haven't really watched many of their games this year, but from looking at them statistically, 
you know, some of their their offense has been great this year, and and that even with Josh Donaldson, you know, not hitting, and now he's starting to come around, starting to perform. But their issues have really come from their 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 pitching um, so far. Um, you know, they just got Fultonevich back, but you know, coming into the season, their rotation was, you know, barren. Um, it was there wasn't much there, and that's been an issue for them. And then their bullpen also hasn't been great, and that was an issue for them coming into the season as well. Uh, they have a four seven nine team ERA right now, um, and so I don't. That's an issue that I don't really know how they're going to fix. You know, depending how well Fulton Nevich pitches, you know, that could help him out a little bit. He's making his first start today. No, um, he made his first start last night. John. Oh, he made his first start last night. Sorry, um, but he they don't four four runs in six innings. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. Um, but it's not like they have reinforcements, a lot of reinforcements coming down the pipe uh, for either of these. Uh, Vizcaino's out. He, they just moved into the 60-day DL um, today. So he's, you know, he's not coming back. Um, they've got they've got a ton of starting pitching depth. They do. I mean, they've got Toussaint still around. They've got Bryce Wilson. They've got... Sean Newcomb. Yeah, and one of the bright just... starts for one of the bright starts for them has been Max Fried and how well he's pitched so yes. far this year. Uh, I mean, uh, you saw after his outing against the Indians on Sunday Night Baseball that people were talking him up as a future ace. Mm-hmm. Uh, evaluators, at least, I don't know how much I buy that. Obviously, Fried's always been a prospect. Uh, had his career derailed a lot by injury. Uh, but I mean, he's got great stuff, great curveball. Yeah. Really, I mean, it, the closest thing we have right now, I mean, to a Blake Snell, uh, Clayton Kershaw type curveball is Freed's. Uh, I mean, Kevin Gossman's been pretty good. I I don't know. It's it's hard to say with this team. You know, the the problem is, yes, they have a ton of starting pitching depth, but we don't know how good any of it is. Their yeah. relief depth has been very much tested by injury uh, and by ineffectiveness. I mean, they were relying on A.J. Minter last year, and this year he's been really, really bad. Uh, and interestingly enough, it's mostly been, I mean, homers, yes, but walks. Guy's got six walks and eight in the third inning. Uh, really yeah. their whole bullpen. Oh my God. You know, uh, basically everyone in their bullpen has a walk rate above six. That's it's not, not great. great. No, it's very bad. Yeah. Uh, their, their team walk rate is five per nine, 4.8. I mean, they're just, they're not throwing enough strikes. Like no one in the NL East is, is playing like a good baseball team. No. Is the annoying thing. I mean, they're all struggling with, with basic stuff. Uh, you know, between the Braves and not being able to throw strikes, the Phillies and basically having a ton of injuries, the Mets and their rotation, you know, disappointing in very strange ways, and their bullpen. I mean, you look yeah. at Jerry's Familia, guy you just paid $30 million to. Uh, coming in and you know having an ERA well over six, mm-hmm. it's just you know this is supposed to be a juggernaut division and they're not playing like it. They're playing yeah. like, a, you know, th- the division is still going to be tight, but it's going to be tight between 
you know, a bunch of mediocre teams. At least yeah, that's what it looks like. Probably, you know, only one team from this division. I mean, it's early to call. It's only April, but it might be that only one team from this division makes the playoffs, which you wouldn't have expected coming to the season. No. Uh, yeah, it's it's sort of surprising how poorly the, the division has played as a whole to this point this season. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know what... Like, I, I just, again, especially where the, the Mets are concerned, I don't know how reflective that is of actual talent. But uh, it certainly has been annoying to watch. It has been. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, obviously from a Nats perspective, but even from a not-Nats perspective. I mean, but truthfully, actually, it's been more frustrating to watch as a Nats fan because you watch the other teams in the division and it seems so winnable. And then yeah. you watch your own team get two hits against Eric Lauer, and you're like, "Wow, this team will never do anything." Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's been a frustrating start to the season in so many different ways. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, they were the Nats got off to a poor start last year as well. Uh, obviously, that didn't go well. But uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, there's still it's plenty of time to turn this season around. It's yeah. it's April, but they, we're not and we're not in any hole that's too deep to dig out of. Again, we're only three games back at the Phillies. We have plenty of games left. We have a three game set against them next week. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, again, we're only play better. We just got to play better. Ultimately, uh, we got to yeah. have our guys perform. Soto's got to start hitting better. Um, you know, a guy. Yeah, guys just need to perform the way that we expect them to do. And with the bullpen, yeah. you know, I don't know how you fix that. I don't think it is, you know, one-stop fix. It, it's just – it's – it's. I was just looking right now. We've thrown – our bullpen has only thrown 68 and two-thirds innings this year. That's that's not many. And yet they have given up, you know, I think what, – what was the stat you tweeted last night? So, first of all, the Nats have – thrown nine fewer innings than any other bullpen in baseball they have thrown 68 and two-thirds innings the angels have thrown uh actually the the pirates are the next lowest oh uh we just got the uh no the angels have thrown the most 123 okay the most but we just got the corresponding move and it's ryan zimmerman to the 10-day dl with plantar fasciitis oh that's good oh don't be mean to poor zim He's dealt with that before, and it's not a good injury to deal with. That yeah. debilit- that's what hurt him in 16, right? 15. 15. And 16. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the kind of thing that doesn't go away. Nope. Uh, yeah, that's extremely troubling. And also it sucks because he was on 999 RBIs. Oh, no. Have to stay that way for like, could be a month. Could be two months. You never know with Zim. Yeah. Might be the last we see of him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the, the stat, sorry to bounce around here, but the stat that I tweeted yesterday was that the Nats have thrown 68 and two-thirds innings. The uh, Angels have thrown 123 and two-thirds innings, and yet the Nats have allowed one more run than the Angels over the course of the season, bullpen-wise. Yeah. Oh, wow, it's his other foot this time with Zimmerman. It's the other foot. That's great. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is ridiculous. He's like a 50-year-old man already. 
What is his deal? How did he get to be this broken? I don't so know. Sad. But yeah. <sighs> uh, so see you anyway. in June-ish. I don't know when we'll see Zim again. We'll see him really sometime. But anyway, yeah. that, that's it for us today. Um, hopefully next week will be better. <laughs> if not... Well, we'll ha- I don't know what we're going to talk about. Maybe, I don't know, something uh, we'll joyful. For- like, yeah, something comparatively less painful. Like... I don't know, the Middle East peace situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so we'll talk to you next week. All right. Till then. Bye-bye.